0: verses 11 and following. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is also known to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about the outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listen to you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Please be seated. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do praise you that we can call you Father, that you hear our voice when we ask for your help. And this morning, we would ask you to help us to understand and to be uh, your to to understand the place you've given us as your sons and daughters and and to be your ambassadors in this world help us Lord in Christ's name we pray amen, amen. I'm always uh, uh, thrilled encouraged to, to come to Covenant uh, because I know this is a congregation that thinks deeply about the Bible and seeks to put it into practice through local and foreign missions uh, Sound theology naturally uh, leads to profound worship and lives transformed by the gospel. I know that your church isn't perfect, no church is, but yours is a constant reminder to us of God's lavish blessings, albeit undeserved and shared so freely. We have been blessed by you. Once we have seen God, experienced his holiness, we are forever changed. Like the prophet Isaiah, who was seeking God in the temple in a time of Israel's mourning, there comes a point in time when we are at the end of our rope, so to speak, the end of our personal morality, the end of our own vision for life, the end of our own knowledge, and and we recognize we are insufficient. That's when God breaks upon our experience and we see him for who he is. That's the day of salvation. The apostle Paul teaches us in this letter to the Corinthians. That ministry flows out of what God has done through us and in us. For us. What Christ has accomplished for us. He first loved us. He first comforted us. He first ministered to us. Only then can we become conduits of grace to others. In in French, we often say, on ne peut que donner ce qu'on a reçu. You, can, you can't give something you haven't received. You can only give what you've received. Whether, that, you know, parents giving to children and children uh, repeating that generosity in their lives as they grow up. So, uh, only then, when we recognize the source of the, the uh the, the knowledge of God, the, the source of his love in us, only then can we recognize uh, the privilege that we have. And Paul compares uh, this to uh, Christians to a clay pot in a very poor condition, a clay pot uh, that's cracked and, and almost crushed, a clay pot that is full of a precious message, almost like a, a perfume of God's forgiveness offered in Jesus Christ and we can't help but share it because it's leaking out all over the place. It's natural for us to to show God's love because we're imperfect and we need it each day. And so as we appropriate it for ourselves, it naturally flows out to others. That message is captured in a nutshell in verse 21 of this same passage. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, Jesus, again, his life was perfect and his obedience to the Father. uh, To be sin for us, Jesus carried our sins to the cross. He took our place, my place on the cross, so that in him, again Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. This last phrase teaches that as Christians with the Holy Spirit in us, we, we will live by faith and put into action the holy life that God desires. They will know we are Christians by our love, right? So you might wonder, well, uh, God sent Isaiah to call Israel to repentance. And God sends each of us into into mission, whether it's across the street, around the corner, or around the world. We are his ambassadors of the gospel, the gospel good news. I know that's a bit redundant, gospel good news, but I say it on purpose. Because sometimes we hear the word gospel, we think of a book or a biography. And sometimes we hear the word good news, we just think it's good news about something else. But if we say gospel good news, we know we're talking about what Jesus has done for us. So in this chapter of 2 Corinthians, I'd like to draw your attention to three things. Predictable preacher, three things. Our new motivation, our new identity, and our new calling. Our new motivation is that Christ's love compares controls us and our new identity is that we are a new man, a new woman in Christ and our new calling is that he, asks, he sends us as his ambassadors. Paul begins this paragraph saying that since we know what it is to fear him, to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. Paul isn't talking here about uh, the fear of death Uh, the fear of being destroyed, this statement should be understood by the uh, reverential fear of God who is holy, 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 and our lives are in his hands. God's holiness does not contradict his love and his compassion for those who are far off. For Christ's love compels us or controls us or, depending on the version, constrains us. We are convinced that one died for all. Jesus died for all. All here means all kinds of people, not just the Jews, the chosen people of God. That's why in the book of Revelation chapter seven, we see that great multitude of people worshiping the lamb, worshiping God in the throne room of every tribe and tongue and nation. What a beautiful picture of the all for whom Christ died. Let's be clear. This doesn't teach that Jesus died for everyone without exception. This doesn't teach that everyone will be saved Christ's death on the cross is effective for those who place their faith in him those for whom the father gives to Jesus for salvation and we know that no one can snatch them out of the father's hand I think that was a theme last Sunday enjoyed listening and kind of sneaking in on your worship service Paul goes on to say that and therefore all have died Again, this refers to all kinds of people from various walks of life, different languages and cultures who have identified with Jesus Christ's death on the cross. In Galatians 2.20, a verse perhaps you've memorized, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we die with Christ on the cross. Our sins are covered and we died with him. We identify with him in his death and in his resurrection. Christ's love shown by his finished work on the cross motivates us to shower his love on others. I was recently uh, involved in an evangelistic uh, training time uh, down in Toulouse at a sister church and uh, a guy from St. Louis, Randy, I forget his last name, wrote this song that it made, was made famous by James Taylor. You can play the game, you can uh, act out the part, though you know it wasn't written for you. Tell me how you can stand there with your broken heart, ashamed to play in the fool. One thing can be, be to another, doesn't take any sacrifice. Oh, father and mother, sister and brother, if it feels nice, don't think twice, just shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Things are going to work out fine if you only will do as I say, shower the people. So this song was written by a Christian uh, songwriter and uh, James Taylor made it famous. And although I, I like the tune and I like some of the words, I can't completely agree with the, the idea that there's no sacrifice involved in love. There certainly is quite a bit. And um, so what, what kind of sacrifice are we talking about? I'm not sure I want to get involved in something that involves giving up, you know. Well, uh, if you love people, you're going to ask them how they're doing and really listen to how they respond. If you love someone, you're going to take time to listen, even when they maybe are going on and on and on or ranting or uh, out of control, you'll listen to them. You'll also uh, not judge them, but show compassion. That's a hard one for me. Uh, Cars that pass me at 90 miles an hour on the interstate, I have a hard time not being judgmental my wife just reminds me don't be surprised when you see sinners and uh, (laughs) love them if you love people you'll put others first Uh, and that that's not easy to do either and uh, if we love people we'll be willing to go the extra mile for someone in trouble and uh, oftentimes that comes at an inconvenient moment a friend will call you and if Uh, they need your help. It's often when you're already busy and you don't want to answer the call but showing love uh, and being constrained by this love of Christ that's in you will uh, encourage each one of us to, uh, to ask how people are doing, listen carefully, to not be judgmental and to be willing to go the extra mile. So how can we possibly love like Jesus? How can we get out of ourselves, out of our self-absorption out of our entertainment world and think and speak and act in a loving way. I can't. You can't, but in Christ we can. It, Christ in you and Christ in me can reflect imperfectly, albeit, this gospel good news. So that the next aspect of this passage is our new identity, our the new man, the new woman that that God is making us to be. So Paul emphasizes a new point of view, a new focus on what's going on inside, rather than just seeing the outside of the person. And if you read the whole chapter, you'll see that he talks about the the outward part of the body being a tent kind of that's tattered and worn out. And he's looking forward to that new body that he'll have. And and then he goes on to say, we're not going to judge each other by our outward appearance, but we're going to look to the heart. And this is this is difficult to do. Uh, It's'm not, not saying it's an easy task because we so often look at the outside. If someone has an imposing stature, you are perhaps intimidated. or if someone is is small uh, in stature, then then you tend to respond in that way. Well in in the Bible, we have uh, this taught in um, in the Old Testament when Samuel goes to choose. Uh, he's sent by God to choose the man of God's own calling to be the new king. Uh, so the, the, the passage reads, when they, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. So he's going to the house of Jesse, and Eliab being the oldest. And he said, surely the Lord's anointed stands before before us. And, um, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things, the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Then Jesse calls Abinadab, and then Samuel said, no, he's not chosen this one, calls Shammah, the Lord's not chosen this one, and uh, he, all the sons come through, and finally he says, uh, "Is aren't there, are there any sons, any more sons? And he says, there's still the youngest. Jesse, he answered, is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Paul, in in, uh, verse 12, we're not trying to commend ourselves to you again. Uh, He's saying that ministry is not about me. It's not about us, not about the outside. It's about the transforming power of Christ's life in us, at work in us, in you and in me. In Christ, we are made new from the inside out. Meeting, experiencing, knowing, trusting in Jesus is the genesis of that new creation that Paul identifies in verse 17. The big bang, if you will, isn't just a term we throw around to try to explain how God created everything in the space of six days. In Christ, God is still working a big bang, a miracle in our hearts, recreating men and women, changing them from the inside out. Now, I'll admit, as a young Christian, I had a hard time with this verse. I sat and molded over, prayed over it, and wondered, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Uh, I'm a new creation. The old have passed away, the new has come. But I looked at my own life, I looked at my own attitudes and my own uh, behavior, and I said, I'm not new all the way. I don't feel new. I'm not acting new. Uh, and it was, it was difficult. I got involved, and I would encourage young people to, uh, Uh, teenagers to get involved in a small group to find a small group where you can grow and 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 really think about the bible together and uh and and dig into the scripture and find out what it means to to follow Jesus and uh, this passage uh gradually I began to see what what it meant that this verse says that that I'm a new man uh, a brand new creation but I still uh you know I still sin we still go on sinning and God is going to pick me up and 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 help me through uh, each step of, of my life. If I'm uh, if I'm a Christian, uh, I still I recognize I still have a long way to go, uh, and honestly, you know it's it's easy to doubt. And but God calls us to walk by faith. If anyone is in Christ, new creation has come; the old is gone; the new is here. Well, the truth is that Christ is is that uh, his perfect life his sacrificial death and his victorious resurrection has been accomplished it's a past tense and this is for you true for you and for me we need to embrace this new life this new identity uh, it requires that we humbly put our faith in the work of Jesus we, uh, as we walk in our Christian life we may see uh, uh, in the distance you know, the, the cross that, that we want to we went to achieve when Ruth and I were living in, in Albertville in the Alps there was a we lived in a small apartment and in the distance on the horizon there was a a, a croix de savoie a red cross if you will with a white background and we would walk often to uh, that hill and as you know it was a really small little cross but as we approached uh, the the hill it became bigger and bigger and bigger we recognize more and more our sin. We recognize more and more the importance of the cross. And so we, we, it's, it's normal for us to be more sensitive to our sin as we grow and as we progress in our walk with Christ. So it requires faith. As for me, I can admit I'm a piece of work. I'm an unfinished cre- construction site, and anyone can see that on the outside. But God looks at our hearts God has in Christ changed our hearts and is rec- uh, reconciling us to himself. Think about people uh, who met Jesus and how each one was changed at, from the inside out. Sometimes it was from the outside in, a leper that his, his skin was made whole. Sometimes it was uh, someone that had uh, was possessed with a demon and Christ just cast them out and then he uh, was, was dressed and in his right mind the scripture says uh, in another story in Luke chapter 19 we meet Zacchaeus a notorious sinner of his day he was a chief ta- tax collector not just a tax collector a turncoat but a chief of the turncoats that meant that he had turned on his own people the Jewish people to collaborate with the oppressors of God's people the Roman authorities Zacchaeus was wealthy and probably because of his questionable occupation. That seemed implicit in the text. Zacchaeus, uh, he, he, want, he knows Jesus is coming, and he runs to, to, uh, to the tree, climbs up the tree. Uh, he was short and unpopular, so he, he climbed up this tree to be able to see Jesus, and he was curious to see uh, what was, what was going to happen. Jesus stops under Zacchaeus' tree and calls him down, I must stay at your house today. What a wonderful uh, surprise that Jesus is coming to my house, that Jesus cares enough to call me. That's amazing grace. So Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus's home. Have you had that experience in your life? Has Jesus stopped under your tree? And is he calling you down today? Jesus is coming to your house, is coming into your life. And uh, the point of this story in Luke 19 is that if Jesus can hang out with, uh, eat and drink and sleep and stay at the home of a big sinner like Zacchaeus, then he can surely uh, save anyone. Jesus brings salvation where wherever and anywhere he goes. What impact does this serendipitous visit have on Zacchaeus? Radical transformation. Zacchaeus was a notorious sinner, wealthy, and now Zacchaeus has become notoriously generous. I will give half of my possessions, the text says. I will pay back four times what I cheated. The Old Testament says that, that uh, restitution needs to be made when you steal or when you cheat someone. Uh, it, normally, it, you replace what you've taken plus uh, a fifth, or depending on the passage you read, Uh, it could be more. And Zacchaeus promises to give much more, 400 percent. So clearly Zacchaeus is a new man. He's been transformed by his encounter with Jesus. He's still short and and, uh, as far as we know he's still a tax collector. But Zacchaeus is a new man. So being a new creation doesn't mean that our personality is obliterated or that our bodies change immediately or that we have to change occupation but it changes the way that we go about our life it changes our attitude and our approach Paul might say we don't look at Zacchaeus his outward appearance his wealth, his culture, his stature stature. we look instead at what a difference Jesus is making in his heart, in his life in his attitudes so Ruth and I have met a number of people over the years, and one teenager named Marie had a harsh tongue. But gradually, over time, uh, she studied and and, uh, dug into the Bible, and uh, God softened her heart and made her speech thoughtful and gentle. We saw a change in her, and, and she is a believer, and it happened gradually. But her tongue was what really changed, we noticed. Another fellow by the name of, I'll call him Mark, he doubted, and for years he attended our worship services and helped in so many ways, being kind. and uh, And he he still doubted whether the truth of the gospel was defendable, if it was uh, if it was justifiable uh, rationally. and uh, And it was when he was at the bedside of his dying father, as he explained the gospel to his father, and in in the tenets of the faith, he realized if I if I'm explaining this to my father, I believe it. And the next Sunday, he came to us and began fellowshipping and taking communion and entered in as a full Christian. So he was he was converted as well. Another more recent example, I'll call him Jules. Uh, he came to church and he would uh, flirt with all the girls his age, and, uh, and I I don't can't repeat what he said, but you know he would invite them out, we'll say, and uh, they were deeply offended. <laughs> And it took a long time for them to forgive him. and uh, But Jules is, is changing and he's becoming more like Christ. And it recently he said, I want to play my guitar on the street and tell people about Jesus. You know, this guy that was flirting with the girls and trying to take them out, uh, now he's he's changed, he's transformed and he realizes that uh, Jesus is what's really important to him. So God can take a Zacchaeus or a Marie or a a Mark, or a Jules and give them a new uh, raison d'être, a reason for being, a new calling as his messengers of grace and even as this text says his ambassadors. So in verse 20 we have our new calling, God's ambassadors. Uh, What is an ambassador? Have you ever met one? Have you ever been in the room with uh, an ambassador of the, uh, the United States? They'll say to to Mexico or to Canada. Uh, well, an ambassador is a representative, an official envoy, a, a person who carries a message with authority. And usually he, he or she is a peacemaker. So here Paul is getting to the point of the passage. God is giving you and me the privilege of participating in his amazing new calling, new ministry as his ambassadors. You're not left on the sidelines. You're not left on sitting on the bench. You're not gonna be left sent back to the locker room. God is calling, inviting you today to take the field of play and participate fully. Each one of us has a role to play in the game, in the, the ministry of calling people to faith. Each teammate is essential. An ambassador is chosen to represent the will, the message, the politics in, in, of a nation in a foreign place. And that person is sent with the authority and the, the seals and all the documents and the, uh, the marks of that country he's representing. And he's sent usually on a mission to accomplish something specific that he or she is given. And this is a public mission often with pomp and ceremony. I've been in, at parties where the ambassador came into the, into the room and everyone starts whispering to each other, that's the ambassador of this country, that's the ambassador of this country. You, you can't come in unnoticed if you're an ambassador. Uh, and you're expected to speak with diplomacy, respect and measure and you need to be able to communicate well. So, um, when, so we see that, that God is calling us to this, this high calling. Uh, Paul doesn't say here that we are his soldiers uh, making an appeal, like f- trying to force people to, to convert. Paul doesn't say here that we are his spies trying to infiltrate uh, our, our with our Christian message. We are his ambassadors. It's public. It's out there. And uh, in France, we found that it's very important whenever we have an event, we always announce that it uh, we are a Christian church, we're having this event, or we're putting on this conference or this uh, Uh, we'll say teaching time whether it be for men or for women or everybody together and uh, we make it clear we fly the the flag high that we are a Christian organization so that people don't feel they've been tricked or or duped. So Paul is saying that he wants us to make his appeal. God wants to make his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. Our job is not to to point out people's sins. Our job is not to to point out our own good works. Uh, Our job is to gently lead people to Christ, those who see the gap between their condition and God's perfections, God's uh, demands. Our job is to show them the beauty of what Jesus has done, the sufficiency of his life, the sufficiency of his sacrifice to pay for our sins and the urgency of the message. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do, we are amazed that you want us to participate in this way, that you're calling us to be your representatives. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that you would help us as we think about those that are closest to us, our our closest loved ones, and those that we, our colleagues at work, and Lord, those that are the the VIPs of our life, we pray, Father, that you would give us another opportunity uh, this week to make uh, an appeal to them, to uh, share with them the love of Jesus, perhaps through our actions, perhaps uh, through our our response, listening ear, perhaps through words. Lord, uh, use us right where you have placed us, we pray in Christ's name, amen.